0: Sometimes on this journey, I get lost in my mistakes. What looks to me like weakness is a canvas for your strength. My story isn't over. My story's just begun. Failure won't define me, because that's what my father does. Failure won't define me, because that's what my father does. Ooh.
1: Shame at the door Cause it ain't welcome anymore Ooh, you're in the Father's
0: house Rival's not the end game The journey's where you are Never wanted perfect, you just wanted my heart. The story's never over, the story isn't good. Failure wants the final when the father's in the room. Failure's never final when the father's in the room. Ooh. Lay your burden.
1: Change. Yeah. The dead come to life Love is on the move When the father's in the room Jericho's take place The cynical finds place, Love is breaking through When the father's in the room Jericho walls are quaking Strongholds now shake breaking through when the Father's in the room. Love is breaking through when the Father's in the room. Ooh, lay your burdens down. Ooh, here in the Father's house. Check your shame at the door. Say welcome anymore Ooh, you're in the father's
2: house well good morning it's good to see y'all and I, it's good to see some new faces and i know more and more are feeling more comfortable coming out and we're doing what we can here but thank you guys for doing your best to stay safe to keep others safe we want to continue to do this, and we hope that uh, we kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. We are planning on uh, kind of things opening back up here on campus on August 1st of using the facilities, the gym, that type of thing. We know that can change, but we're looking forward to that and kind of things getting back to normal. But I just want to say um, to all of you, uh, as y'all know, there's different opinions on this whole thing, right? <laughs> if you've had a conversation with anybody, there's all different views, even in this room today. But Here's the main thing, is that we stay united in Christ. We're all going to have different opinions, but nothing like this should ever divide us as children of God. And we are here to gather and to put Jesus Christ first, and that is what unites us. So if you're worshiping with a mask, praise Him. If you are not, don't have a mask, praise Him, because He is worthy, and nothing should divide us, because we are one in Christ. So I want to welcome you here today. I want to welcome those that are watching online. There's also probably some in our parking lot listening on the radio um, so we're glad that we can unite in different ways. We are together to worship. Uh, but right now, I want everybody to stand up. We're going to get ready to worship. And while you're standing, just look at your neighbor and wave at them again. If they're family, you can hug them. You can pat them on them. You can do whatever you want to with your family. But wave at everybody else, and uh, welcome them to the service.
1: In Christ alone.
3: amen that was great last night my five-year-old grandson before he slept with me and he was saying we're talking about the Lord he said Paul Paul has did Jesus defeat the devil did he win amen he did aren't you glad I'm glad he won this morning I want to invite the church and all who would come on next Sunday at 10 o'clock we're going to meet me we're going to be meeting in Steve lackey's classroom co-ed Six, for prayer time. We had a great time of prayer this morning, and we want to uh, invite you to that every Sunday. We need to be praying for the church. We need to be praying for our community. We need to be praying for our country. So I want to invite you to be a part of that. We'd love to have you to take part in that. Our theme is this. It's in Matthew 6, 33. I'm going to share that in just a moment. The other day, I was with Wesley Fox, and he got a phone call. His mom had passed away. The funeral services are today at 6 o'clock p.m. They're going to be at Lyle Down Cemetery. It's going to be a graveside. You're welcome to come to that. So please pray for the Fox family, okay? And uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you for being here this morning. If you'll just join me in prayer, I'm going to read this verse. Jesus speaking. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Church, I want to challenge you this morning to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Father, this morning we want to come before you and we're so grateful that you have won that you're victorious that you've overcome the conqueror you're the one who saves us and gives us hope, eternal life and Father we just come before your throne, And Father we want to pray for the Fox family that you would comfort them in their grief and give them peace the days to come but Father when we looked at what Jesus said Lord forgive us for not seeking your kingdom and Father, help us to have a desire. Help us to long to seek you first, your kingdom. Lord, help us to hunger after righteousness and thirst after righteousness. God, we need you. Lord, the church needs you. We are your church. And Father, we need to desire you first and foremost over all things. And Father, we come before you as Jesus spoke. Lord, forgive us for being complacent. Forgive us for being apathetic. Forgive us for not seeking you first. And Father, we want to do that this morning. We want to pray for this service that you'd pour out your Holy Spirit and power. And Father, you'd bless the time of worship. Be with Jamie as he preaches the word. Give him liberty. Father, that he might proclaim the greatest truth that anyone could ever hear. And Father, this morning, we pray as we seek you first and your righteousness. That we may experience those things that you desire to bless us with once again. Bring renewal, bring revival, and come and heal our land, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.
1: Let every nation shout of your fame, Jesus is God.
4: God is, calling us, God to is be be calling us to be different, to be, to be counter-cultural, to be non-conformist. Do not be conformed to the world. Don't live your life like the unbeliever next door. Here is a wonderful supernatural process as we begin to follow Jesus Christ. The more we look at Christ and the more we love Christ, the more we become like Him. And so over the months, over the years, as we focus on Christ, as we say no to the world, we become more and more like Jesus. God is conforming us to the image of His Son. You say, well, if God is doing it, what am I to do? You have a responsibility to be transformed. You have a responsibility not to be conformed to the world, and you are to cooperate with the Holy Spirit who's at work in your life. How am I going to resist the world? How am I going to be transformed, set apart, so that I'm living for Christ, a mind renewed by the Word of God.
5: If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we think on this topic this morning, uh, brand new. And what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks is how that God, through the Holy Spirit, because of our faith in Jesus Christ, changes us. Does God change us? Are we different from the unbeliever? And last week we looked at some of those differences. Notice verse 9. Spurgeon says this about verse 9. He says it's one of the most solemn texts in the whole Bible. It is so sweeping. It deals with us all. And it deals with the most important point about us. For to belong to Christ is the most essential thing for time and eternity. Notice verse 9 of chapter 8. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, indeed, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Notice, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. So, the sign that you're born again is that the Holy Spirit lives in you. Notice verse 10, and if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. Notice what Paul is saying here. Christian and non-Christian alike have one thing in common. We're all going to die. What he's saying is this. Just because you're born again does not mean you're, you're not going to die. Okay? Unless Jesus comes back. And then he says this. But the spirit, it is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Paul says even though you die... In Christ, one day you'll be. your body will raise again. You'll have a glorified body. And then he goes on to say this in verse 12 and 13. Notice what he says. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh. And what Paul is saying here again, he repeats this again. If you're in Christ, your nature has been changed. You're not a debtor to the flesh, even though we give in to the flesh from time to time. You are not a debtor. You're not obligated to do it. A lost person is obligated to do it. Notice what else he says here. For, verse 13, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So what he's saying here, Christian, is this. As as a Christian, you can live or die. Faith without works is dead. If you live according to the flesh, spiritually speaking, you'll die. Your faith is worthless. And, well, it's not worthless for, for salvation, but for doing things for God's kingdom, you're just really going to be dead. So has your life been changed? Does Jesus Christ change lives? Through the Holy Spirit, I would say yes. Pray with me. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you for your word. Father, as John Piper said, the Bible is the greatest book ever written. Romans is the greatest letter ever written and it's just quite possibly that Romans 8 is the greatest chapter ever written. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. But Father, today we're going to look at our responsibility today to live according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. Father, I pray that you would challenge us. Father, as our speaker before said, on the video, I pray that you would conform us into the image of Christ for your honor and for your glory. Father, I pray that if there's anyone watching or listening today and they don't know you, that, Father, today you would save them by your grace and we'll forever thank you. Thank you for making us brand new, Father. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said so together, amen. Romans 9, 8, 9 through 13 is all about the change that takes place in the believer's wife, life when he's born again. And it's all about the Holy Spirit. Now notice on the screen, the, the word for the Holy Spirit or the spirit in the Old Testament is ruach. And it means spirit, energy, power. John MacArthur put it this way, it means violent energy, violent power. Now notice verse, or Psalm 33:6. By ruach, God creates the host of heaven. There was nothing, God speaks, there's something by his spirit. Psalm 51:11. after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. He says this, Do not take your Ruach from me. You know what he's talking about? Not the Holy Spirit leaving, but God's sovereign call on his life. David was sovereignly called by the Ruach of God. Samson in Judges 14. What was his secret? It wasn't his hair length. When he had his hair cut, it just showed his great disobedience and how really immoral Samson was at times. But Samson showed great feats of strength. Why? Because notice, then the Ruach of the Lord came powerfully upon him. He went down to Ascalon, struck down 30 30 of their men because the Holy Spirit, the Ruach, came upon him. The New Testament word is pneuma. It's where we get the the phrase pneumatology, which is the study of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible came through that. Notice what 2 Timothy 3 says. All Scripture is God-breathed. Pneuma. And is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God is there for good works. Second Peter 1 says this for prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Numa, Holy Spirit. So in the Old Testament, you have Ruach. In the New Testament, you have Numa. What is, what is so important about those this energy, this power, this violent energy that creates the world, that gave us the most important book ever to be written? That can come upon prophets and give them great feats of strength. Well, the first point is this. This ruach, this pneuma, lives in me. The Holy Spirit, if I'm born again, this power lives in me. Isn't that amazing? That this ruach in the Old Testament, this pneuma, lives in every Christian. Let me repeat what Spurgeon said again. He says, verse 9 is one of the most solemn texts in the whole Bible. It is so sweeping it deals with us all and it deals with the most important point about us for to belong to Christ is the most essential thing for time and eternity. Verse 9 says this, but you are not in the flesh but in the spirit if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Notice the word dwells. It means to make one's home in, to live in as a place of residence, to occupy. The spirit of God has now moved into us and will never leave. He has moved in. To take over as a new dominant influence and force in our lives. He is the eternal resident within us. Paul told the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 6.19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Notice these words. Who is in you whom we have from God. In chapter 3 to the church at Corinth he says this. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Think about that for a minute. This ruach, this pneuma lives in you right now. Never to leave if you're born again. Dwells, has taken residence. Paul, explaining this to Timothy, says in 2 Timothy 1, 14, Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. This reality took place the moment you were born again. It is a fact. It is is central to our doctrine. It's central to the New Testament. Jesus belabored this point in the upper room before he was crucified. In John 14, 16, 17, he says this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you, and be with you forever. The Holy Spirit will be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. You know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So the sign that I'm born again is that the Holy Spirit lives in me. Jesus promised that when he left, the Spirit would be sent to live inside Christians. Stephen Lawson put it this way. The Spirit is going to move in, take over your life. He'll give you everything that you need to live the Christian life. It's impossible to live the Christian life on your own. The Spirit of God empowers you for this endeavor. You're never alone. But verse 9 also says this. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ... He does not belong to him. This is crystal clear. You're either indwelt by the Holy Spirit or you're not. As a matter of fact, Paul talks about the, the distinguishing marks that the Spirit lives in us. and We've looked at some of these in verse 2. He says that you are free from the law of sin and death. Verse 6, he says he gives new life and peace with God. The Spirit does. Verse 11, he says the Spirit of Christ will raise our mortal bodies In verse 13, he says the Holy Spirit will enable us to kill sin in our life. In verse 16, he says that the Holy Spirit testifies to us that we're God's children. We've been adopted by the Holy Spirit. And then verse 26, Paul will tell us that the Holy Spirit helps us pray. If the Spirit dwells in you, you have experienced the new birth. The Holy Spirit lives inside of me. That is a sign that I'm a Christian. If he's not, you're not a Christian. It's just crystal clear. It's a fact. The second thing is this. And I say this uh, as humbly as I can. I will not fear death. Notice what verse 10 says. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. What Paul is saying here, this is talking about the physical body. We're still under the curse of sin. The wages of sin is death. But what Paul is trying to get Christians to understand is that though you die... You can face death confidently. When Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 15 and 2 Corinthians 5, what he's saying is this. He's saying, I've looked at death and I'm facing it with confidence. Death is a conquered foe because of Jesus and his triumph is our triumph. And when our day comes, we can face death with confidence. One scholar put it this way, our faith can rise above terminal news from the doctor. Our faith can rise above a tragic event If one of our loved ones die, or even our own life is taken, we can face it with confidence knowing that we will be with Christ. David put it this way, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Death is a fact that we're all going to face. Unless Jesus comes back, you will die. Think about that reality. That's what verse 10 is saying. You will die because we are under the curse of sin even though we've been born again. Psalm 90.10 says the years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80. Yet their span is but tool and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Every one of us has a date with death that cannot be canceled. It is appointed for man to die once and after that comes the judgment. I have a day that I will die. What man can live and not see death? Can he deliver his body from the grave? We can't, can we? You can be unhealthy and die. You can be healthy and die, but you're going to die. I don't know when my appointment is. I'm glad I don't. But it is coming, and your day is coming. Christian, you will die. Faith in Christ does not enable you to cheat death. That's why Paul said this, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. H. B. Charles says Christians die at the same rate as non-Christians. When a Christian dies, it's no less evil. He says, I do not care about nice caskets, warm eulogies, and trite statements about they look like they're just sleeping. We are not fooling anyone. Death is evil, but you do not have to fear death because Jesus has conquered death. Don't you hate death? I literally hate death. I remember being in a church one time and a, and a lady who, who really babysitted me at times when I was younger. She died, and I got up there and just talked about how I hated death, but I was glad she was with Jesus. The pastor after me talked about how much he loved death. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? I remember when I was going to the graveside, I said, have have you had anybody close to you die? And he said, No. I said, You got a lot of church members here that have died, right? He says, I don't get close to our church members. I said, When you do, you're gonna hate death. You'll hate it. I said, I hate death. I absolutely hate it. It is the last enemy, Jesus said. It was not part of God's original plan. Death is evil. You will die unless Jesus comes back. It may be today. And I said this last week some of us have our toes on the edge of eternity. Not, not long ago, I preached a, a funeral at Alexander Funeral Home. And I remember, I don't know why I said it, but I said, Some of you may be dead within two months. Are you ready to meet Jesus? Just said it, wasn't trying to be scary. I wasn't trying to do a scare tactic. guy came up to me afterwards. He says, this helped me today. I feel like I've got my life right with the Lord. And within one month, I saw on Facebook, a guy younger than me fell over with a heart attack. We're literally living on the edge of eternity, all of us. Christian, you will die. But because of Christ and the spirit that dwells in you, Paul goes on to say this, but if the spirit, verse 11, of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, if he dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Aren't you thankful that what he's saying is this? Paul is saying is that your body may be in the ground and decomposed, but your spirit's with Jesus, and one day Jesus will come back and give you a new body. Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians 5. For we know that if the tent, that is our earthly home, your body is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. You're going to have a new body. Aren't you thankful one day? When a loved one dies, oftentimes we'll say we lost him or her, but if that one is a believer, we've not lost anything because Paul says this, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, when this perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory Oh, death, where's your sting? Paul is literally taunting death. Wouldn't you like to have that kind of confidence if you knew you were going to die? What Paul is saying is this, and he says it First Corinthians 15, flesh and blood cannot enter the kingdom. This body will not enter the kingdom. It will not. If Jesus came today in the rapture, the body says our bodies will be changed. This sin-cursed body will not enter the kingdom. It will be in a casket or cremated or whatever. It will not, but Paul says in verse 11 that Jesus will give life to this body and give me a new one, aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful this body you will not live in forever? Aren't you thankful? Even though I believe everybody in heaven will be 5'8", because that's the perfect size for people. All right. This body will not enter the kingdom. H.B. Charles says, The instant we die physically, our spirit goes to be with the Lord while our bodies decompose. But the instant Jesus returns, God will give us resurrection bodies, which will be suited for the new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. Jesus is the prototype. His resurrection body is a physical body, but is not subject to disease or death. The God who raised Jesus from the dead will also raise our bodies from the grave at the moment that Jesus returns. Whether a person was burned at the stake, died at sea, was eaten by sharks, was blown to bits by an explosion or decomposed in a grave, God will resurrect those bodies in a recognizable new indestructible body and so we shall always be with the Lord. That's why D.L. Moody said this. Soon you'll read in the newspaper that I'm dead. Don't believe it for a moment. I'll be more alive than ever before. If God's spirit dwells in you, you belong to Christ and though your physical body will die, God will raise your body from the dead and give you a new body which is imperishable. So if we're born again, God's spirit lives in you. I do not have to fear death. And then the final thing, and the most probably the hardest thing for us all, is this: According to Paul, I will kill the sin in my life. I will. It's a fact. It's not something you work up to. We talked about this last week. It's a principle. Paul says because God has saved me, and because I'm I, I have a new nature, I will not every day give in to the flesh. We all have different temptations, don't we? We all do. It's just like appetites, okay? Some people like a certain type of food, and some people like a different type of food. Some people eat cabbage. What kind of morally depraved person eats that? I mean, how can you eat something that's so gross and looks so bad? But we all have different temptations of sin, don't we? So I can't look at you and judge you because I sin different you. But what Paul is saying is this. God has given you the power to kill the sin in your life. Whatever that is. Now Paul in Romans 7 said this. There are times I do the things I shouldn't. And there are times I don't do the things I should. Who can deliver me from this body of death? You know what Paul says? I struggle with sin. We're not talking about being perfect. But what Paul is also saying is this. I will. I will. Kill the sin in my life. Notice verse 12. Therefore, after he shares all that, he says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh. Why? Because our nature has been changed. Our nature has been changed. I think it was last week or the week before last, I said if if there was a lion in here and you gave him meat to eat, or hey, which would he choose every time? Meat. Why? Because that is a lion's nature. Every time. lion cannot change his nature. Okay. You cannot change your nature. Only the Holy Spirit can change your nature. He changes who you are. John MacArthur put it this way. He says, now the key to understanding these two verses, verse 12 and 13, is a little phrase in verse 13, by the Spirit. By the Spirit, you're putting to death the deeds of the body. All ours are different. We're talking here about an ongoing life in which we win the battle with the flesh, and we do it by the Spirit. Apart from the Spirit, there can be no victory. You just can't. Now listen to what he says. Let me put it simply as I can. Flesh cannot overcome flesh. Humanness cannot overcome humanness. You cannot pick yourself up by your own bootstraps. You can't change yourself. All the flesh can do is serve the law of sin. That's what Paul talked about in Romans 7. It's all it can do. But here in verse 12 and 13, Paul gives us the victory. He says, now therefore, verse 12, Brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. You don't have to. When you were lost, you just did what you did because you were lost. Verse 13 for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Even as a Christian, spiritually speaking, how many people have ruined their testimonies because they chose the flesh over the spirit? How many preachers? We could name them. Have fallen because for what are born they're born again. There's no condemnation. But because they lived according to the flesh, they died spiritually speaking their testimonies died their ministry has died many have have had to leave their families over it and how many other non-preachers do it as well notice verse 13 for if you live according to the flesh you will die but if by the spirit you will put to death the deeds of the body and you will live Paul says this is going to happen it has been predetermined Romans 8 says 28 that you will be conformed into the image of Christ you will Put to death the deeds of the flesh. It's a principle. Jesus said this because of the Holy Spirit in Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. MacArthur put it this way. You will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And there are no caveats. There are no conditions. This is a promise. You have the power of the living God. The third member of the Trinity is equal to God because he is God in every sense living in you. That is a remarkable reality. You're strengthened with might, with power, by spirit in the inner man. He's there. He's there. You ought to be explosive. You ought to be experiencing triumph over sin. There is power there. Notice verse 13. He says, again, by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body and you will live. One pastor put it this way. Jesus' death releases you from the penalty of sin. His resurrection releases you from the power of sin. You're released from the penalty of sin by his blood. You're released by the power of sin by his spirit. Now, even if you're saved, sin is very much alive in you. Never forget that. Every day you battle the flesh. Every day. You battle things, and some things you and I battle are the same. A lot of the things we battle are different. We're all different. We grew up different. We have different temptations. But no matter how far you've gone in the Christian life, until you go to Jesus, sin is still there, and it's looking for an opportunity to destroy you. One pastor put it this way, sin is like a predator. It's crouching at your door. Every day. You have to fight the flesh. Every day. It's like a predator. And one pastor put it this way. He says, most of us flirt with sin trying to tame it rather than kill it. Predatory sins are almost like people who have predatory pets. What is wrong with a person that buys a snake and puts it in a cage in their house? You got issues. I've been in homes where one guy said, look at my boa constrictor. It's orange and white." I said, I'm carrying a gun. Get that thing away from me. Why would you have that in your home? Another home I went into, they had an alligator. Are you crazy? What about this iguana? You people are morally, you got, they let the iguana out and said, look how long its tail is, preacher. It was climbing up the blinds. I said, I'm leaving. People that have cats, predators, (laughs) you're predators. If you have anything bigger than a Yorkie, I'm not coming to your house. I'm not coming. Think about this. I heard one pastor share this story preaching on Romans 8. He says, a member of his staff gave him this article, and it's sad. It says, Pet bear kills Pennsylvania woman. The bear's name was Teddy. This woman had raised the black bear from cubhood. For nine years, there were no incidents. Then one day, the bear mauled her. You know why? That's what bears do. That's a bear's nature. Now, I say that to say this. I don't care if you call a bear Teddy. A bear's a bear. Sin is sin. And what happens in our Christian life is this. We have these predatory sins that are our pets. And we think we can win in the flesh. Oh, stop it tomorrow. No, you won't. No, you won't. Kill it. That's why I tell people sometimes, if you're struggling with flirting with somebody that's not your spouse, why don't you just change jobs? Because Monday's coming, temptation's going to be there, and you're going to try to live in the flesh, because, and then you will not overcome it. Have pet names for people. Are you crazy? See, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Your marriage will die. God's plan for your life will die. Do you understand that? We have pet names for our sin. Why don't you confess it and kill it? All of us. Notice what he says. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die, Christian. You will die. Everything that God has planned for you will die. Listen, sooner or later, bears do what bears do. And sooner or later, sin does what sin does. You have to be killing it or it will kill you. And God has given you the power to do it. Now listen, I've counseled people, I've been counseled by people, and listen, here's my biggest problem, I shared this about two weeks ago, the guy in the mirror is my problem. It's not how I was raised, it's it's not the things that's happened in my past. Listen, I've had people say, you don't understand, I didn't have a dad in my life. I said, me either, but I got Jesus. All that changed when I got Jesus. You have the power of God living inside of you to kill any sin in your life. We all struggle We all fall short. I'm not talking about being perfect. But I'm talking about if you want to live, spiritually speaking, the reason you have a church like East Hillsville that has 1,600 members and between 700 and 800 who come back and forth is because people are living in the flesh and spiritually speaking, they're dying and a lot of families are as well. Isn't it amazing how we'll justify not being with God's people? You know, when when this COVID thing has got me wondering, God will separate the wheat from the tare with this. You'll see who's living according to the flesh and who's living according to the spirit. You'll see it. And I'll tell you this, when things open back up, if you sit at home and watch it on TV, that's not church. Church is an assembling together. And people that live by the flesh will see every opportunity not to come, and then in three months, you'll never see them again. Why? Because the flesh is, which spirit's willing, Jesus said, the flesh is weak. If you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if you live according to the spirit, you'll have life. You'll kill the deeds of the body. So let me ask you a question. Without saying anything out loud. What? What are you struggling with? What is it? You know what David said? Lord, search me. When he got right with God. When he got right with God, he said, Lord, search me. And see if there's any wicked way in me. You know what David said? I am the biggest problem in my life. I'm the biggest problem in my life. I'm going to help you here, spiritually speaking. You'll never have to see a counselor, ever. Admit you're the problem. Confess your sin to God. You don't have to confess it to anybody else. Confess it and say, Jesus, today I'm yielding to the Holy Spirit's work in my life. And today I'm gonna to kill the deeds of the flesh, the thing I'm struggling with. You say that today, and then on Monday, you know what you do? Jesus, I'm the biggest problem. And Jesus, I struggle with this. And today, today, I'm gonna to walk in the spirit and I'm gonna kill this thing in my body. And then on Tuesday, you know what you do? You get up and you say the same thing. Then on Wednesday, you say the same thing. And you say, Jesus, I yield to the Holy Spirit's work in my life? Because Paul said, if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You won't. David, the most honest man in the Bible, reads Psalm 32 and Psalm 51. He says, I confess my sin to you. He called it iniquity, transgression, and sin. Transgression. Lord, I knew what you said, and I, I didn't do it. Iniquity. David says, I'm immoral, I'm perverted. What I did was immoral and perverted and then sin. I've missed the mark. You're calling my life. I've missed it. That's why he says, Lord, do not take your spirit from me. Lord, don't do it. If you'll be that honest with yourself and that honest with God, you can have victory. Your sin and my sin's different. I struggle like everybody else. Nobody's perfect. I'm going to love you regardless of what you do. You can talk to me about anything. I, I've heard it all. Those walls in there and those walls over there have hurt it all (laughs) from everybody. We're just sinners struggling every day, saved by the grace of God. But I'm telling you this, if you live according to the flesh, you better listen to this preacher, you'll die. You'll never be what God wants you to be, and you'll never do what God wants you to do. But if you walk according to the flesh or according to the spirit, God will forgive the transgression of your sin, and God will do things in your your life you can't imagine. Yield to the Spirit's work in your life. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes as we close this morning. In in this moment of prayer, why don't you just say this? Lord, search me, examine me, and see if there's any wicked way in me. And not out loud, but why don't you just name it to the Lord, confess it to the Lord, and say, don't worry about tomorrow. Say, today, Jesus... I'm going to walk in the Spirit, and I'm going to defeat this thing. Today, I yield to your Holy Spirit. Today, Jesus, I make a commitment to walk in the Spirit and give me victory over this. And then say this, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. Don't blame anybody else. Forgive me. And then if you're here today and you're not born again, today, you confess this, Jesus, I am lost, and I place all my faith and trust in you. And I ask you to save me today. Today. You're my only hope. Jesus, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, I trust your life, death, and resurrection for salvation. You're my only hope. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. We thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you that we can be in a church with brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, we all, we all struggle with this. We all do. But Lord, you can help Lord, as we come together, we can be accountable to each other, love each other, pray for each other. We don't even have to name what we struggle with. But there's hundreds of people here that will, will pray for anybody here to get victory. Lord, give us victory. Lord, the deeds of the flesh are death. But if we walk in the Spirit, we will live. Lord, it's amazing to me to think what you'll do with any person in this room who chooses today to walk in the Spirit. The past means nothing you've forgiven it, you've forsaken it. But today, Lord, help people to live for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, and all of God's people said together, amen. Well, God bless you. Once again, I want to thank you so much for you being here, for your faithfulness. And like Kevin said uh, earlier uh, at the start of the service, uh, we're just trying to get through this thing. We don't know what's right or wrong sometimes, so be patient with us as your leaders. You know, we hope we can open a gym in August, but if we can't, don't get mad, all right, because we're just trying to do what's right here. And, uh, and pray for our deacon leadership as well uh, as, as we try to make these decisions. But once again, thank you so much for being here today. just want to remind you remember Wesley and Bradley Fox and your prayers and their family. Linda was a great person. She was a wonderful influence in my life when I was younger and even as a, as a grown older uh, went through a very difficult battle with cancer, so, so remember them in prayer, and remember me as I, I speak at her funeral today at 6, or this evening at 6 p.m. God bless you. You can stand if you want to. We're going to let the right side, my right side, dismiss. So if you guys will just...